Good morning, Temple Baptist Church, and thank you for letting me have this opportunity to share with you from God's Word. But to start off, I just want to let you guys know that this is an incredible bummer that we can't be with you live, because it's been over 15 years since you took a chance on a young punk like me when you called me to be the youth pastor of your church. Um, I find it some of the fondest memories of my life, and I want to thank you for giving me that incredible opportunity. Now, just a quick update so that some of you will feel old. Um, Our daughter, Matea, uh, she is now 19 years old, and our daughter, Rylan, who was born when we were at Temple, she's now 17 years old. Marcia still looks 10 to 15 years younger than me, and in case you're wondering, yes, my hair is fully gray, so you do not need to adjust the tint on uh, on your set. Anyway, so enough of that, let's get into God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Joshua. Remember back in the day before there were tablets and before every home had five video game consoles, before parents were helicopter parents, and before social distancing, kids used to go outside and play with the neighborhood kids. Now, I don't know about what it was like in your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, our favorite thing to do as kids was to play hide and seek. Now, I don't need to explain to you what hide and seek is, and we all know what it is because we've all played it. And we used to play hide and seek for hours and hours and hours. Now, it's interesting, though. The older we get, the more we still kind of play hide and seek. I mean, we don't stop playing when we get older. We just kind of create an adult version of the game. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're at home and you're wearing your pajamas, you're just relaxing, maybe you're watching a movie, and then you know a neighbor's knocking on your door. What do you do? You don't want to get up. You're wearing your pajamas, or maybe you're chilling, and you don't want to get up. So what do you do? You tell everybody in the home to be quiet because you don't want them to hear you because you don't want them to know that you're there or you're available. So you have everybody, shh, be quiet. Maybe you have glass glass doors, and you kind of everybody ducks down so no one sees you if they're looking inside. You're hiding because you don't want to be found by them. My stepdad used to do something when he didn't want to get called into work. He used to tell me to tell his boss if he called to tell his boss that he wasn't here. And I would say, Dad, you are here. And he would say, no, Mark, that's a thing. I'm not here. Now, I may be over there. I may be there, but I'm not here. So you don't have to lie, Mark, when my boss calls and asks if I'm there. You can say, no, he's not here. And that was his kind of weird way of hiding from his boss. Now, the ironic thing is the older we get, the more we hide. Like, you know this, I know this. The older we get, the more we hide our feelings from others. The more we hide our hurts, the more we hide our addictions, the more we hide our struggles. And the more as Christians, the older we get, the more we hide our faith. Now, as adults, we have gotten really good at hiding, haven't we? And most of you have already discovered the same thing that I've discovered, that this adult hiding isn't nearly as much fun as it was when we were hiding when we were kids. Because hiding as adults, it affects us personally. It it now affects us emotionally and relationally. And you know and I know that hiding affects us spiritually. Now, I don't have any stats on this, but I think one of the best hiding places that you and I have is when we hide behind fear. And fear is that emotion, it's a feeling that is fueled not by what is really there, but what might be and what we imagine could be there. You know what I'm talking about, it's the fear of the what if. Like, what if it doesn't work out? 
What if, what if they don't understand? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my relationship? What if I end up alone? And what some of you have already learned by experiences that when you hide behind fear, it's the reason why some of you are struggling. It's the reason why some of you are struggling with your identity or struggling at home or at work. It's the reason why we as Christians live boring and dull Christian lives. Because see, the Bible has called us to be ambassadors. And as ambassadors, we're called to represent God's kingdom, a kingdom with different standards, different desires, and a different authority. And that as ambassadors of God's kingdom, we are called to influence and impact our world without our world impacting us too heavily. But instead of standing out for Jesus, we laugh at the same jokes. We overly value our possessions and we chase the same ideas of success. We allow ourselves to consistently get wrapped up in the same sins. Now, I know there's some exceptions, but for the most part, because of fear, it seems like we've traded the cross of God's kingdom for the comfort of the world. So what are you afraid of? Now, I'm not talking about snakes and spiders and clowns. I'm like, deep down, what are you afraid of? Now, for some of you, the fear of failure has caused you to miss great opportunities like job advancement, healing, forgiveness, reconciliation. For some of you, the fear in the form of jealousy or insecurity has caused you to hurt and smother some of the people that you love the most. For some of you, the fear of what others are gonna think has caused some of you to not move forward in obedience and to join God where he's already working. Let me just say right off that I get it that you're not alone because we all, to some degree, struggle with fear. But the good news is, is that God has recorded for us in his word an account of someone who in the face of overwhelming obstacles had a choice to make. Was he either gonna give in to fear or was he by faith gonna be courageous? And this account is found in the book of Joshua. Now, if you have your Bibles, open it up to Joshua. Now, as you're doing that, Joshua tells the story or the history of the nation of Israel around 1400 BC under the leadership of Joshua. So now, as we do this, we need to get into a little bit of background. See, by this time we're reading this passage, Joshua and his people have left Egypt. They left captivity in Egypt and they had been traveling around this wilderness for about 40 years. Because see, God had promised this nation of Israel, they, he promised them this land, but the people of the day were unfaithful. They didn't believe God, they didn't trust God. Because of fear, they chose not to follow God. And because of their disobedience, those, that older generation died out in the wanderings of about 40 years. Now, it's a new generation, a new opportunity, and a, and, and, a re, and a renewed call of God to go into this brand new land that he had promised them. And so now Joshua is the leader because the leader that was before him, Moses, has died. I know this doesn't explicitly say this in the text, but I bet you that Joshua was afraid. I mean, I know I would have been afraid in that context. But instead of being paralyzed by fear, Joshua stepped out and he led his people in faith over fear. See, this is so important to learn this and so important that we're reading this today because your enemy and my enemy, Satan, wants you to be paralyzed by fear. He wants you to make excuses why you won't obey. 
He wants you to make excuses why you're gonna stay out of the battle. He wants you to stay on this side of obedience, but your God and my God, our heavenly father wants us to move forward in courage. And we're gonna learn that as we move forward in courage, as we step out in faith, we're gonna learn that our obedience in the face of fear will be one of God's greatest opportunities to do something great through you. So in this passage, we're gonna learn how we can step over fear with faith. And the first thing we learn how to step over fear with faith is to plan. In Joshua chapter two, verse one, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Achaia Grove saying, go and scout the land, especially Jericho. And this is so encouraging because we see here that, that God wasn't asking Joshua to go unprepared. So the first thing that Joshua did is that he did some research, which some of you are shouting out amen to that because you love organization and you love researching things. I mean, how many of you are married to people who love organization? I mean, how many of you kids have parents who have everything organized? Man, it can get pretty frustrating. I mean, it can be pretty awesome, right? Now, this wasn't the first time that the people of Israel sent spies into that land. So the difference is, is that when the first people went there, they came back and like, man, this land is awesome. But let me just tell you, it's too big. They're too strong. Man, this is a bad idea, Moses. We're not going in. But the difference here is that these two spies, when they came back, listen to what they said. It says, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. So what's the difference? Like, these guys were planning in faith. They weren't exploring the land to see if they could take over the land. Instead, they were preparing themselves so that they would be ready with whatever they needed when God called them to go. They were planning in faith because planning in faith can minimize fear. See, you need to plan. You need to pray. You need to prepare. But what we're learning here is that sooner or later, you need to stop planning and you need to stop praying and you need to step out in faith and obedience. And the second thing we learn here is that you need to trust. See, not only do you need to plan, but you need to trust the one who calls you and leads you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, the problem is that most Christians will misinterpret this verse. You know, they read it to mean that wherever I choose to go, whatever I choose to do, God is gonna be with me and give me success. You know, if I just think about God or if I have good intentions or if I promise to thank God at my acceptance speech, then he's gonna be with me and he's gonna give me success in whatever I do. See, the problem is that's not what this verse is saying. That's not how this verse is to be understood. See, God will be with you. You will have the strength to do everything that he calls you to do as you follow and as you obey him. See, we need to recognize that this is God talking. This isn't some high school guidance counselor. This is the almighty creator of the universe. I believe God sometimes leads us to do things that are difficult or unusual or sometimes even irrational just to see what we're really trusting in. He had Naaman bathe in a dirty river and he had Peter put his nets on the other side of the boat. He asked a kid for his lunch and he asked Hosea to marry a prostitute and he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. 
But here's the thing. They all got to see God's power and God's provision only after they stepped over their fear with faith. Terry O'Reilly in his Under the Influence podcast told a story of a young boy who loved martial arts and he wanted to enroll in judo. The problem was the young boy had lost his left arm in a car accident some years before. But despite of all of that, his mom wanted to build his confidence. So in spite of his disability, she enrolled him um, in judo classes under a Japanese judo master. And the boy was doing well, so he didn't understand that why after three months of training, the judo master only taught him one move. Sensei, the boy finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? This is the only move you know, but this is the only move you will ever need to know, the sensei replied. Not quite understanding, the boy kept training and training. And then several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament. And surprising himself, the boy easily won his first two matches. Now the third match was a bit more difficult, but after some time, his opponent became impatient and charged the boy, and the boy deftly used his one move to win the match. And still amazed by his success, the boy was now in the finals. Now this time, his opponent was much bigger and stronger and more experienced. And for a while, it appeared that this young boy was completely overmatched. And concerned for the boy's safety, the referees called a timeout. And they were about to stop the match because they were afraid this, this, this one-armed boy was going to be hurt. But the sensei intervened. He said, no, like, let him continue. So soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake. He dropped his guard and instantly the boy used his move to pin him. The boy had won the match in the tournament and he was the champion. And on the way home, the boy asked the sensei, as they were reviewing all of the moves and all of the matches of that day's event, the boy summoned the courage to ask the sensei what was really on his mind. He said, sensei, how did I win the tournament with only one move? And the sensei replied, you won for two reasons. First, you almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in judo. And second, the only defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. If this boy wouldn't have trusted his sensei, he never would have, would have experienced the joy of winning a tournament. And in the same way, if Joshua never would have trusted God and obeyed, he would have missed the privilege of seeing God do the amazing. See, God all over the Bible and through our lives reveals himself in the critical moments when we obey when it is difficult. See, Joshua probably had hard times. Just like you and I, he probably had hard times. He probably felt inadequate. He probably felt frightened. Maybe he was ready to give up before he even started the conquest. But God knew all of these feelings. He knew how he was going to react. And he knew his weaknesses. He knew his fear. And here God is saying to him, you know, I know the obstacles look big. I, I know it's difficult. I know it doesn't make sense. And I know all the risks that you're facing. But remember, Joshua, when it gets hard, when you feel like giving up, be strong. Don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you wherever you go.
go. Christian, what is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to forgive? Is he calling you to reconcile? Is he calling you to reach out with love to a neighbor that you just are at odds with? Is it to stand up for something that is right? Is it to protect? Is it to share the gospel? I know what his word says in Matthew 28, that we are called to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. So here's the question. Do you believe that God is all-knowing? Do you believe that God is all-powerful? And if you answered yes to those questions, don't you think it's time that you trusted him? Don't you think it's time that you stepped over fear with faith? See, God's not asking you to understand. He's not asking you to agree with him. He's not even asking you to like it. But he's asking you to trust him because he's God. And he's commanded you to do it. Our heavenly father has called us. Our responsibility is is to trust and obey. Now, we live in crazy times. The church, though, is no stranger to plagues and epidemics. In fact, according to history, one of the main catalysts for the church's massive and explosive growth is in the early years was how, how Christians cared for the sick and the hurting and the poor. As followers of Christ, we can't be okay with sitting on the sidelines of ministry because of fear. Because we're hardwired to want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We can't be afraid of the challenge that God has put before us. See, and the thing is, when we step out when it's difficult, when we step over fear with faith, it's in those moments that we see God vividly more than any other time in our lives. It's in those times we say, wow, that's my God. See, we need to learn that our obedience in the face of fear will be one of God's greatest opportunities to do something great through you and through me. Christian, God is calling us. We need to step over fear with faith. We can plan, but eventually we need to trust and obey. God's calling us. Let's step out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to study this incredible life of Joshua. Now, we don't want to put him on a pedestal because we know that Joshua was only doing the things that you called him to do, and he did it within your strength and your power. But Lord, we are so thankful because we have that same strength and that same power through you leading us. And I love when your word says is that faithful is he who has called you, and he will also bring it to pass. When you call us, you provide and you supply what we need to do what you've asked us. So Father, help us like Joshua to say yes, to step over fear with faith, to do the things that you've called us to do, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can be strong and courageous because you are with us wherever we go. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Have a great week, and hopefully I'll get a chance to see you soon.
God bless you.